Hello and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. My name is Sammy Hadjassad, and with me is fellow automotive journalist and friend of mine, Benjamin Hunting. Say hi to the people, Ben. Greetings, human listeners. Greetings to everyone. As I said, Ben and I are a pair of automotive journalists. We have a ton of cool cars to talk to you about this week. So, Ben, why don't you, why don't you just clear it up right out of the way? Let's get going. First of all, I want to say that I'm no longer sick. Uh, so those All of you who are everyone's listening, everyone's prayers were yeah, answered. Those of you who are listening, you don't have to worry about catching the flu through your podcatcher. That will not happen this week. And my apologies to whoever I infected last week. Um, <laughs> but uh, this this most recent vehicle that I've driven that I'm actually fairly excited to talk about is the Genesis G70. Sammy, did you hear that, folks? He's fairly excited to talk about this. There's no better endorsement than that um the important thing about this g70 that you're talking about is that it competes directly with the g20 bmw 3 series that you talked about last week right yes i i I see you've been studying your chassis codes sammy that seemed to be a stumbling block for you but was that to impress me or to impress the audience because i think we're both pretty impressed Excellent. Finally, all of my hours, my hours of researching the BMW chassis codes. All those Have you heard about cards. this other one called E30? That one's quite popular. No, I haven't. I haven't heard of it. Tell me more. I can't tell you much more about that. <laughs> There's only so much space on the flashcard. I understand. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so the G70, uh, it's, like Sammy said, I, I, it's a competitor to, well... I mean, it's ostensibly a competitor to the BMW 3 Series, and uh, that's what we talked about last week. Um, I had one of those in the driveway, and the general consensus was what, Sammy, that we liked it, but that it wasn't, you know, it didn't, it wasn't as sharp as it once had been. And, More sedan, less sport. Right? Yeah, exactly. And for the Genesis, which for those of you who aren't familiar, this is a brand new brand that is, <laughs> yeah, I know, spun off from Hyundai uh, a couple of years ago. Specifically as an in-house luxury um, mark. Like, this is the Lexus of the Hyundai world, the Acura of the Hyundai world. And they uh, started off with two vehicles that had very low sales numbers because it's a market that's not very, um, I guess, lively. The, the full size. No, that's how, that's how successful brands begin. Yeah, you start, with, you start with a vehicle few people are interested in buying, even though it's a good vehicle. The Genesis G90 and the Genesis G80, one of those was originally the Hyundai Genesis, and the larger one was the Hyundai Equus. Mm-hmm. Um, these are great full-size luxury sedans, but again, that's a, uh, a part of the market that is you know, kind of on the downswing. So, Okay, with, come on. Let's get with the G7. Let's get to it now. So the G70 is the third vehicle in the Genesis. Don't give me this history lesson. I've been watching DC Universe movies with their long, drawn-out explanations of things before. No one knows they, what you're talking they about. Should... <laughs> Are you talking about Aquaman? Yeah. Yeah, I stopped watching that halfway through. Oh, and there because... goes our audience. <laughs> it starts off in this way where you're like, let me tell you the history of the entire the entire world. And no, come on, man. Let, it, let right. me hear it with the G70. So what maybe is that's the deal? a little too much information about the G70. I'm, I apologize for being professional. But uh, <laughs> the G70 is definitely more sports sedan than the BMW 3 Series. And whether that's a good thing or a bad thing depends on what you're looking for in a car. Because I think that there's room on the market for all sorts of different uh, luxury cars. And the trend has been towards what BMW, Mercedes, and Audi have been doing with their entry-level sedans, which is to make something very comfortable and filled with features, very fast in a straight line, but not necessarily engaging to drive. 
Yeah. And, and G- Genesis is not is not all about that with the G seventy. No, right? I think I think if you're going to look at the sports sedan market, the sport luxury sports sedan market right now, there are three cars that buck that trend. You have the Cadillac ATS, which is which an is, older design, and but, I think it's being replaced now by uh, some what, other what Alpha like, like, soup thing. Yeah, that's gonna, which, yeah. Which, um, which does not look like a great car. But it is five. But in, in any case, the ATS very fun to drive. It was. Uh, the Alfa Romeo Giulia, which is oh, definitely yes. not boring. <laughs> um, because of all of the new warning lights it can bring up to, to your attention. And and now the Genesis G70, which is, I think, of those three, the best executed all-around sports sedan on the market. And I say that because the car, it, it, first of all, I mean, I can't. the ATS still has a manual transmission available. Is that correct, Sammy? I don't know if you can even buy a manual, uh, I mean, an ATS at all. Are they, like, still... Like on dealer lots, I suppose if if you can find a four cylinder model, you could probably get it with. A, I, I wouldn't with be surprised manual. if there was a substantial backlog of ATSs available That's somewhere. True. But yeah. uh, the the Genesis G seventy uh, comes with a manual transmission, which you cannot get with the BMW three series. Well, this uh, was our sticking point last week. You yeah. said you would never buy uh, a sports sedan without a manual, and I said, well, all of them come that way. I don't see the problem. And then you reminded me that I've only bought manual transmission. Yeah, that you only exclusively own manual transmission. So this car is kind of aimed at you, Sammy. Uh, I will point out <laughs> there's two there's two flavors of G70. There's the the turbocharged four cylinder, which has 255 horsepower, mm-hmm. similar to the BMW in terms of output, but not an acceleration. It's like just over seven seconds, I think, zero to 60 Ouch. in that, which is like two seconds slower than the three series. Again, demonstrating just how uh, underrated <laughs> the BMW engines are. But yeah. the V6, the twin turbo V6 that is automatic only, it's an eight speed. It is every bit the match for the M340i. Uh, it's it's within uh, a few tenths of a second, zero to sixty. I think it's something like four point seven seconds. Right. It it has three hundred and sixty five horsepower, mm-hmm. which is a number I don't believe. I think it's actually higher than that because of just how quick it feels. And three hundred seventy six pound feet of torque. And that's the version of the car that I drove. And my model also had all wheel drive. Um, it is relatively the same in terms of acceleration. There's only a, a, a tiny hair's breadth of a difference, zero to 60. And the all-wheel drive system is, is fairly non-intrusive. Like you don't really notice any torque steer, uh, sorry, not, not torque steer, but, um, you don't really notice any kind of dead steering feel when you're driving the car that used to be a hallmark of all-wheel drive systems and high-performance cars. Mm-hmm. Um, even on a racetrack, which I've had this car on a racetrack fairly extensively, and it feels... It communicates the, what is happening underneath the chassis quite well to you, which is something that the previous three series did not do uh, nearly as well as the current one does. So, Sammy, you've driven, you've driven this car too, right? I have, yeah. And I want to bring up a couple of the, the points that you made earlier. Talking about the best driving vehicles in this class, it doesn't seem like a, it's a, it's a, it was a tough uh, bar for them to beat when it comes to to becoming the all-arounder that the Genesis G70 is. I mean, talking about the ATS, it's got a terrible interior. It's not um, terrible, but it's not at the same level as some of its peers. It's on the lower end of the segment, I would say. And then t- going on the on the Alfa Romeo, uh, most of us have driven the the Quadrifoglio version of it, which is the the very the I think it's a very powerful version of the car. And we've all probably experienced some kind of electrical issue or um, warning light pop up that made no sense. So, now, I mean, the, the fact is that the Genesis 
has to be better driving than those two cars and has to, to deliver something better than both of those cars. So the, it definitely has a nicer interior than the ATS, I think. And uh, in my experience, it was much more reliable than uh, an Alfa Romeo ever could be. Well, you know, you say that that's a low bar to clear, but I just want to point out that both Lexus and Acura have never built a sports sedan that comes anywhere near to matching what BMW has achieved with the 3 Series in any of its generations. I think the IS300 wasn't far off, and uh, I, uh, I think you're giving it a little credit for that. The fact of the matter, and, and I mean, what was interesting is this was maybe before the G35 and its uh, at its time. I think the G35 came closest to the BMW. See, I didn't, I, I didn't mention Infiniti. I, I said like, like your, Lexus and Acura. I mean, because, Acura just hasn't made a, a rear-wheel drive base vehicle has it yeah but that doesn't that shouldn't matter i mean if you're going to make a sports sedan and you want to make an engaging sports sedan then you know you said it's not a low bar to clear but i I think i think it very much is or sorry you said it it is a low bar to clear i think it's i don't think it's as easy as it sounds because the the is is just not interesting in any way oh the new is is definitely the old is it it was okay but it was it was not as engaging as a 46 3 series when it came out um, Are we talking chassis codes again? I've looked this up. And E46 <laughs> was 2000 and, I don't know, two, maybe? One? Don't worry about it. It's not important. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, the Mercedes C-Class wasn't quite up to that standard No, all and the, the C-Class time. never has been. That's the thing. It, it's never really been a sports sedan. Uh, and sometimes a- the A4 has been up there, particularly when it comes to, like, the S4 Malina. But, uh, it, it, you know... I, I think that it, it, it doesn't take – I think it takes away a little bit from what Genesis has achieved with their first try. <laughs> That's true. You're right. You know? Like this is – the G, the G35, yes, it was a revelation. Uh, it didn't quite have the interior that a BMW did and it didn't have quite the same number of wow features. But mm. it was it was a very good car to drive and then that kind of disappeared. It, that it, disappeared really quickly actually. Yeah. Well – Maybe not really quickly, but it did eventually fade off into something else. And yeah, and now the the current um, with the the equivalents, which would be the oh man, the, the nomenclature. Yeah, the Q50 and the Q60 have kind of drifted to that whole. Well, it's just comfortable and and very quick in a straight line and has lots of features. So they've mm-hmm. they've joined that camp. So uh, the the Genesis is actually, it's a charming car in in comparison. Now, yeah, right? it, like it, it looks is, great on the yeah. outside. The interior is fine. It's not. I don't think it's outstanding. I think there are some models that look better than others inside. Uh, I have a little bit of trouble. So uh, this is my first time driving the car since the launch. And this is where I really noticed that some things like the buttons on the center console are a little big and plasticky for things like um, park and putting the transmission in park, which doesn't need to be a button. Uh, But it is. What should it be, a lever? (laughs) It should just be on the shifter. Why can't I just shift into park? That's um, old school, man. We're talking new school. Oh, we man. need buttons for just things. Just wait till next week when we. It should be. Ge- it should be a gesture. We both agree it should be. Yeah, a gesture. it should be a gesture that can easily be misconstrued while you're driving. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the infotainment system on the car, it's fine. It mm-hmm. looks like every other Hyundai. That's the problem, I think. That That's particular where you look part at it and you go, "This looks familiar." Yeah, that part of the car because BMW's iDrive. Has excellent graphics. I'm not a big mm. fan of the Mercedes-Benz infotainment system. I think that it's M-Bucks? Kind of, or M-B-U-X or I haven't whatever. Seen M- I haven't seen M-Bucks in person yet, but the one that you get in the C-Class is an M-Bucks, right? It's, it's no, the, it's not. So Com- um, Command with one M. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of plain. Uh, and Audi's uh, infotainment is great. So it's it's tough to, you know, you look at the Genesis. I just want it to be a little flashier, but it does work. Everything about it works fine. There's no weirdness. It's easy enough to navigate. And for most people, that will be enough. Um, but 
the the real gem of the car is uh, whether you get it with the sport suspension or whether you get it with the adjustable suspension, mm-hmm. it, it's really connected to the road. It makes you want to push it harder. Uh, it rides somewhat stiffer than the 3 Series as a result of that. But it's nice to have this option. It's nice to have a car that steps out of line with what everyone else is offering and says, here's an alternative. If you enjoy driving, if you're buying this for more than the badge, because you clearly are, because Genesis doesn't really have any badge equity at this point. You're going to be rewarded with a car that you're going to like every time you push the ignition. I agree with you in most in most of this. I think I agree with you in the fact that I kind of wish that it had a little bit more of a wow factor either inside or ex or in terms of the exterior design. I think it's an attractive looking vehicle, and some of these models you can get with like I, it's it bronze or copper accents. It, we had this conversation so many times. I'm pretty sure it's bronze. It's bronze, right? Yeah, which is. A fine metal. It should be gold. We both know that it should be gold. Unnamed metal podcast? (laughs) Yeah. Um, I really wish it had something. I will admit, though, people actually take notice of this car because they've never seen that badge before or they've never, you know, seen such an attractive looking car. Uh, So I do get a lot of attention when you're in the G70. But when it comes to the interior, I wish there was a little bit more flash, something that makes this Genesis stand out um, when you're in it. However, you're 100% right. The driving dynamics of this car, the way it feels on the road, is is a it, it harks back to a, a different era of sports sedan. Something that is a little bit more engaging, a little bit more fun to drive, um, where uh, high perf- high technology gizmos are are not what's always necessary. The car feels like it gets out of the way, and um, it allows you to put your foot down and uh, twist that steering wheel around and have some fun. Yeah, it's uh, you know when you say car gets out of the way, I think that's a really apt way of putting it. It's it's especially with the the engine is an absolute gem. I love it's this V six. Incredible that engine. It's super quick. It's super responsive. Um, it sounds pretty decent too, and it's you know it, there's there's no the, in you know how like BMW has like the fake car noise now, the fake engine noise. The the yeah. Genesis has that too, but you can like it has four different levels of it, like ranging from off to maximum. Mm-hmm. So you can decide how much you want to hear it and I put it to to off just to see how it sounds and it sounds actually pretty decent from inside the car. It's, I'd I'd rather hear the sound of the exhaust than than hear an uh, a fake amplified version of the exhaust. It just mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, if you have a nice sounding exhaust like the G70 does, why why obscure it, right? What is necessary for this vehicle going forward? I mean, if we were to see a refresh or a next generation model or anything like that, do you think what is necessary for being, for Genesis to really, you know, further their their stance, you know, make, further stand out in this in this segment? What do you think? Well, some people have complained that the G70's backseat is not as big as it could be. Right. The 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 three series does that very well. It's extremely comfortable inside. Mm-hmm. Uh, at all, at all four positions. The other thing, though, is you know, the for Genesis, the G70 is not going to be the car that that sells in big numbers for them. No, and it was the same with the ATS, except the ATS never got a second generation. <laughs> it, these were cars that that are are there to prove a point, to prove that it's possible. Uh, to attract early adopters, and then to eventually create a market for the second generation of car. So, uh, you know, it's it's hard to say what the second generation of car needs to do. More of the same? I mean, it would be nice if it continued in this direction, where as an alternative to the kind of comfort-oriented luxury sedans that we have, I would like to see that happen. 
it, it depends also on what Genesis is going for. Do they want absolute sales volume dominance? If that's the case, then you have to cater to the lowest, not lowest common denominator customer. The, most, the mainstream, right? The mainstream customer that comes into your into your dealership. Not that Genesis has dealerships, really. But uh, that's what BMW has chosen to do. And so, they, they need – BMW is an independent company, the, yeah. one of, perhaps the last independent company out there of any grade size, and they need sales volume. Genesis is not in that situation. They have a huge monolithic parent company that is involved in so many different industrial um, ventures that they've got a pretty big war chest where they can just spend, spend, spend and build their customer base. And that's what I think they've chosen to do. I mean that's definitely what they did with the G90, mm-hmm. which is an over-the-top luxury car at a very affordable price much more affordable than an s-class um and the g70 is is decided to be this individual type car that stands out from the pack and i don't think they need volume for it to make sense from a business perspective i was actually at the new york auto show i talked to some execs at genesis as well as uh the canadian pr um manager of of genesis that's patrick danielson who's a friend of the podcast uh they explained that while the Genesis G70 is probably one of the most is like a unique vehicle in its in its platform and uh, and its placement, we've yet to see a true from the ground up Genesis vehicle yet. And they say that they're doing that, and you're going to see that by the end of the year with their with their um, crossover, which will have its own. Uh, which will actually bring the Genesis brand with its own distinct style and features. And uh, that's the one that apparently they're taking their time on to create an identity with it. And they say they've been they've been all of these concept cars that they've been showing off recently, including that uh, weird mint uh, Genesis mint concept that I talked about during the New York Auto Show um, episode. They'll have all these kinds of design cues from those concepts and put into this vehicle. So I think. That crossover is coming. It's going to help put Genesis on the map with its own identity because right now we're we're in this. It's a fancier. It's it's definitely a different than a than a Hyundai, but in what way and how is it going to stand out in the rest of the segment? That's where I feel when I'm when I talk about Genesis. It's it's sad to me that the first in-house platform is going to be an SUV, even though I know that like that's just because it's where the money is. Um, mm-hmm. The the G70 shares its platform with the Kia Stinger, even though it's mm-hmm. shorter and actually 500 pounds lighter, depending on which model you get. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's pretty impressive. And it's definitely a much livelier car than the, than the Stinger. I mean, the Stinger is, is good, but it's a larger grand touring car. Yeah, it's so, much more family-oriented, the Stinger, I think. It definitely has those weird seats that we wanted in the G70. Or at least I would like in the G70. So, yeah, uh, that's kind of how I feel about the G70. Um and uh, I know that the next several products that come from Genesis are going to be SUVs. I mean, you know, business-wise is what they should have debuted with. They mm-hmm. just didn't have them in, in the portfolio. So uh, as we all know, it's very hard for me to get excited about SUVs these days. But perhaps Genesis can show us something different that we that other car companies aren't. Because there are a couple of automakers out there like Land Rover, uh, Porsche, that do build SUVs that I think are interesting to drive. Or at the very least, different in some significant way. Um, Kia's Soul is an interesting example of that. I mean, is it an SUV? Is it a crossover? Is it a mm-hmm. tall hatchback? I mean, the company does have that type of creativity in it. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see what happens. I, I am I mean, somewhat optimistic, Sammy. I'm optimistic as well. I mean, the way they put it out was that the G70 is, you know, it's been in development for about, let's say, five years. And five years ago, Genesis 
like Hyundai was not sure yet whether or how and when they're going to make that Genesis brand. So at the time, it was conceivably still a Hyundai product or a Kia or just a Kia product. So going forward, we're talking about real Genesis products that are from the ground up completely developed with a Genesis mindset. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. It's actually always so exciting when you have a new brand show up and try to make their their imprint on the industry. I mean, we see we're seeing that with in some ways with Tesla um, and some of these other new electric automaker uh, electric vehicle makers, you know, like Rivian and um, Rimac and some of these other ones that are coming out. I can't wait to see how long these last and whether or not they change something in the in the industry going forward. Well, but we the, should. The cool thing about Genesis is that it's not like a startup. I mean, they have a ton no. of money to spend. They can do it right, and they know how to build cars. I mean, every other startup, there's a huge learning curve to in the actual production process, and, and Genesis doesn't have to worry about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, although I did hear this news recently that uh, about a brand um, about the Smart brand, which is a, a, a subsidiary of Daimler and Mercedes. I don't think they're going to be making cars in, or they're not going to be selling cars in uh, in North America anymore. So, you know, sometimes these brands take off and uh, other times they don't. When you say not selling cars anymore, you mean, I mean, it's not like they were selling cars anyway. It's like, <laughs> who's the number one customer? I actually have a friend who has a smart and she likes it very much. But I want to say, who's the number one smart customer in North America? Probably rideshare companies. Yeah. It's not. So, <laughs> that's not great, right? Well, I mean, it's not. You know, fleet is fine, but uh, just out of curiosity, I looked at the numbers, and last year there were 264 Smart Four Twos that were sold in Canada. Um, <laughs> that's that's not an, an enormous number. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you look at the U.S., it's it's actually not much better. Um, it looks like ooh, under 2,000. <laughs> that's pretty small. But I want to change gears. I want to talk instead of talking about something that's kind of um, that's established and uh, that's trying to find its footing and in, in establishing itself. I'm going to talk about a product that has established itself and is a behemoth in the automotive industry, if, despite its small footprint. I'm talking about the nameplate known <laughs> none other than Corolla. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I'm everyone so knows what I'm talking right now. about. Okay, that's not fair. The new Corolla. <laughs> The new Corolla, I drove the hatchback, the brand new Toyota Corolla hatchback. I think you've driven one of these as well, right? Yeah, we discussed it on the podcast last summer, I believe, towards the end of the summer. This is a very interesting product. I think it's actually a little bit of um, of a turn for Toyota and the Corolla nameplate, uh, a flip of the script, essentially. I think what used to be a very bland uh, product that was uh, very appliance-like has gained some personality, specifically specifically when it comes to its driving style and its mannerisms on the road. This is much more buttoned down than I expected any car with the name Corolla to be. And that's got to be a, a, a direct result of it using the new TNGA platform, which underpins the Camry and the RAV4 and the CHR and the Prius. And I think also um, the, the, the uh, Lexus um, 300. Uh, yes. Yes, 300H in the end. Yes. 300, yeah. Uh, I was so surprised at just how buttoned down this car was because in the past, Corollas have been have had entirely forgettable driving behavior. Like you just would show up somewhere and be like, "I forgot how I got here. This, <laughs> this is it." I'm well, here's here here's a question I can't remember from my time with the car. Does it still have the LCD clock on the dash? Remember how every Corolla had that clock for like 25, 30 years? It was the same clock. 
<laughs> I'll take I'll take a look at my photos of it. I think there's a chance that it still has that clock. Um, I don't remember. You know, I can't believe I don't remember looking at the interior. It's almost of this clock. like you have total amnesia after having driven this car. <laughs> I was I was focused on so many other elements of the interior. Um, I will admit that I think the interior is maybe the least important part of the of the Corolla. It's it's quite. No, it doesn't have this uh, this analog clock anymore. So that's a huge change. No, not, it wasn't an analog clock. I mean, sorry, a... this digital clock. This, this, uh... <laughs> the Corolla is not that old. I mean, it's pretty old, but... <laughs> I mean, some cars still have analog clocks. Yeah, but only the, only the classiest and most pretentious of cars. Yeah, that's what we call the Chrysler 300 now. It still has an analog clock? <laughs> yeah, of course. Wow. Um, can I talk to you about this car though? We drove the XSE model with a CVT transmission. This is that the latter pit part is probably the biggest disappointment. I mean, some people um, would like to see the thing with a stick, and you can get it with a stick. And I have is, driven it with a stick. And what do you want to say about that? I felt fine. I mean, it was. It's a perfectly working manual transmission. It is. Right? Uh, it was. It was good. <laughs> I did. I didn't have any complaints about it. And I don't have too many complaints about the CVT. It worked as advertised. Uh, it has a standard first gear, like a set first gear, and then it operates as a CVT past that. Uh, I didn't notice it acting any differently than any other CVT that I've ever driven, so I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Well, did they do that? Because, you know, sometimes when you off the line in a CVT, it like pegs the throttle, or sorry, it pegs the revs like pretty high and then holds them there, and it's annoying uh, mm-hmm. in terms of sound and harshness. And I think the reason, if I remember correctly, Toyota put in this real first gear was so that wouldn't happen. This physical first launch gear, yeah, yeah. So like you would you would actually detect a shift, and then you would be hit, hit with the annoying sound. <laughs> like but I later, feel like, later on, I feel like it. <laughs> I feel like actually the, that annoying sounding first gear, that mm, like that really weird slushy humming noise that occurs, um, is something that's being dealt with by almost every CVT now. It's, well, I it's, would hope so. It's. As much as Toyota has tried to fix this with a physical first launch gear, I feel like every other CVT has just been like, yeah, we're getting rid of that through tuning. It's, it's not – you don't well, need you a know, physical There's different first. paths to success. That's true. Um, I enjoyed this, dry, this, this vehicle. I wish it had a better engine because I think the chassis can support it. It really did feel like a, like a, a really um, sporty chassis with a, that's quite rigid. It's almost um, like the new – Ist Subaru Impreza, which is a very tight chassis with soft suspension or or soft tires. So as a result, it loses a little bit of its um, sportiness, its edge in the name for in the name of fuel efficiency and um, uh, comfort. So you so, want like a Corolla TRD, is what you're saying? I think that'd be kind of cool. That's weird, right? It is a little weird. I mean, it's not something I would admit to anybody. I would just keep that to <laughs> myself. Uh, I also compared this Corolla um, hatchback to a Honda Civic Sport Touring hatchback. Um, I found the, the Civic to be better. It was a more complete experience. It was sporty when I wanted it to be, and it was extremely practical. It has a huge back seat and a ginormous trunk in comparison to this Corolla hatch. And I don't know what's going on with the rest of the compact car segment, but I guess Honda just decided to make a bigger car and stuck with that plot, that idea. Um, and it's carrying them through the segment. In my opinion, I think they have probably one of the best rounded vehicles in the segment. The only place I think that the 
the Civic falls apart on is uh, in terms of design, both interior and exterior. It's a bit fussy. I think it's a little bit uh, all over the place. Well, and there's a lot going on, that's for sure. And that can be said inside the car as well, where there's all these layers of, of buttons and and controls, and then there's like shelves and compartments. I mean, it's practical, but it is something that you have to get used to. The first, I think, the first while you spend in a Civic, you're getting used to where everything is and should be. Uh, and some of the materials can feel a little low rent. The Corolla, on the other hand, is much more um, cohesive. It's much more. It's finished much more. Um, I think, like with a with a unified design platform. I don't know how much I love the exterior design, but I do think it's it's a better look than it used to be. It's far less anonymous. And you can get it with all these funky colors. You know, ours was this weird uh, olive green. I think they called it oxide. I don't know what that means, but... Um, it's something to do with copper. <laughs> um, and, I was, and I was happy that it was offered in this, in this kind of look. It looks sporty. It really does look really aggressive. And other Corollas in the, in the past... Um, even when they took the name away from Scion and they made the what was it called the Corolla IM, they that car was also quite sleepy and it had probably one of the worst manual transmissions I've ever experienced in my life. Well, you so, know, it's it's interesting that Toyota is continuing to evolve their entry level cars like this in a market where Ford and Chevrolet are stepping back completely from that segment. Yeah, we me- we mentioned a long time ago that Ford is is leaving. Compact cars, I mean cars in general. and that's no, I mean, Chevrolet is killing the cruise as well, right? So, I mean, it, it, Toyota doesn't have to make America, a better car. In North America, I think, right? In both, of those, both of those cars are being, are being axed in North America. Yeah. I believe that so, the focus is being sold elsewhere. We were supposed to get the Chinese-built um, Ford Focus, but then I think it was something about the tariffs were too high to bring them over here. I, think the well, chicken the, tax, I mean, Ford's right. just not selling any cars at all anymore. Right. So, I mean, at least with the focus, I can see the mindset there. But I just saw some news about one of the Corolla hatchbacks competitors will soon not be available in our market either. And, Did and you hear this, about this? This news was sent to us by one of our listeners, Blake. Um, mm-hmm. And it's actually Blake Swan. Shout it, out. It's it's fairly yeah. It's 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 fairly shocking uh, in some ways, but not shocking in others. And that's that uh, Volkswagen is is apparently so they they haven't confirmed, but depending on who you talk to and at what time, um, Volkswagen has both confirmed and not confirmed that this is true. But the Golf is going to be no more in North America. They're just going to keep the Golf R and the GTI, and that means that I guess the the hatchback is gone, the wagon is gone. And I don't remember, but is the sport the the uh, all track gone as well? Uh, it's a sport wagon, and is it called the all track? I can't remember what the the name of yes, I, suppose, I guess that would be gone as well. I think I think you know in North America, Volkswagen, like all the other automakers, is doubling down on um, crossovers. I believe there's going to be a Tiguan, uh, another Tiguan coming, like a, a Tiguan variant, a smaller one, I think. To replace what's it called? They call them t- the Tiguan. What is the name of the Tiguan Classic? Tiguan Limited or something? No idea. Uh, because they're selling a last generation Tiguan as a 2019 or 2018 or something like Oof. that. So, um, well, it, I think it's also a question of profitability because the margins on the GTI and the Golf R are pretty high. And if you look at the split in terms of product uh, that's being actually sold, 50% of sales are GTI and Golf R. Isn't that crazy? I think that's amazing. <laughs> I mean, you know, if you look at the pricing, though, it, it's not that crazy. It's 
I mean, a golf's a little bit more expensive than most of the Japanese hatchbacks anyway. So mm-hmm. if you're going to be shopping it, why not spend a little bit more and get the GTI? I think maybe that's the mindset of a lot of people. And now you won't have that choice. You'll just <laughs> you'll just have to buy the GTI anyway. So well, I mean, at least we know though that Volkswagen is not leaving the car segment entirely. There's still that new Jetta that um, has arrived. Well, and Jetta it's has bigger. always Jetta has always massively outsold the Golf in North America. In North it, America, it's yeah. not even close. So it, this move makes sense for them from a business perspective. It's it's kind of like they're giving up on the idea that they can teach North Americans to love hatchbacks. I mean, in <laughs> Canada, the Golf does well, but in the U.S., it never really has. Mm-hmm. So I, there's not a lot of surprise associated with this move. Um, the company but it begs gets... the question, could Ford have done this with the ST vehicles, like the Fiesta ST and the Focus ST? No, because there's no way that 50% of Focus sales were STs. Like, it's just, <laughs> I mean, we see GTIs all the time. When's the last time you saw a Focus ST? It's, it's much rarer. But you would have liked it, right? You would have still... I mean, instead, now we get the ST badge applied to such wonderful products like the Edge and the Explorer. I can't wait for the Ranger ST. What are you talking about? Blake suggested to me that it's likely going to be the EcoSport ST, which will... I don't think that chassis could handle more power. (laughs) It's just a Fiesta chassis. It would just fly apart, I think. (laughs) It's it's such an interesting... That's why there's no subwoofer either. (laughs) It's such an interesting change. I mean, are you going to – I'm going to be honest. I've been driving a bunch of these new compact uh, hatchbacks, the the Civic, the Mazda 3, the Subaru Impreza, the uh, Corolla that we just mentioned. And I think the Golf is still right up there in terms of in terms of quality in, and uh, competitiveness. But to just seed the market completely seems like such a, a terrible idea. It seems like you're giving up. And I don't like hearing automakers saying that they're giving up. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, you got to do what makes sense for you financially. If, if you give up, quote unquote, give up in one area, then it allows you to spend money and make something cool somewhere else. And I think that's maybe what Volkswagen's thinking here. So I was saying, though, I think I was mentioning to, to you and I said this to uh, some other people as well, that at least when it came to the focus, the focus we were talking about um, was expensive due to, you know, taxes and tariffs and the golf I believe could could be made in Mexico uh, if it isn't if it isn't still being made in Mexico. So that cost is not there. Well, they're so, just stopping because they're stopping. So last year there were forty two thousand golf sold in the United States. Period. Mm-hmm. So if we if we look at half of those being GTI and Golf R, and then half being everything else, mm-hmm. twenty two thousand everything else is sold. Jetta sold 90,000. That's insane. Was this the new Jetta or still the old Jetta? I don't know. But, I mean, you're looking at at 22,000 versus 90,000. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's a hard argument to make from a sales – from a product portfolio perspective. And so far in 2019, 11,000 Golfs have been sold. So 5,000 non-GTIs. 30,000 Jettas have been sold. That's (laughs) 6 to 1 as a ratio. I mean, this is a company, though, that kept vehicles like the Passat and the EOS in the fleet for a super long time, even though no one was buying them whatsoever. So maybe there's just a new energy at Volkswagen where they're like, look, we're just going to – why are we even in this segment if it doesn't make any sense for us? Like we're not competitive. No one's choosing the the Passat over the Fusion or whatever. It's it's just not happening. So let's let's regroup and and focus on our strengths. Plus, Sammy, it means we're going to get more crossovers. And are you excited about that? <laughs> I mean, the, 
I was going to say, like, well, what's going to fill the gap between the GTI price and the golf price? And I looked up, and there's this Tiguan. And I'm like, yeah, that, that'll do it, I yeah, suppose. Yeah, and Tiguan 2 and Tiguan 3. And... <laughs> oh, it's a shame. I really like the golf. I'm yeah, but really you don't own one, and you've never bought one, right? No, of no. course not. <laughs> I mean, it just doesn't fit my my style. And we both know what my style is. Yeah, your style is uh, super these days. Is, is it? Yeah. We got okay. the BRZ and you got the Outback. It's an FRS, so it's technically a dead Toyota brand. Okay. You know what I'm talking about. So, I uh, think, yeah. What I you... mean, I, I don't really have anything else to say this week. Do you have any, any other topics you want to bring up? Yeah, I need to bring up um, how our listeners can get in touch with us. I need to get in touch. I need to, to tell our listeners how they can subscribe to the podcast in case they haven't done so. And I need to tease next week's podcast. So why don't we get to those, uh, that bit now? Okay, I'm listening. Okay. If you want to get in touch with either Ben or myself, I suggest you try social media. You can find me on Twitter. My name, uh, my handle there is at Sammy underscore ha, like you're laughing. And you can find Ben on the wonderful world of Instagram. He's at HuntingBenjamin. You can also email us. You can email Ben specifically. He's Benjamin at BenjaminHunting.com. Or if you go to our website, that's www.unnamedautomotivepodcast.com, you can find a contact form there and you can you can hit us up with all of your questions and your suggestions for the podcast. And the uh, so, website also includes usually links to reviews we've written of any of the vehicles we've talked about that week. Mm-hmm. So you can find uh, more – I don't know if it's more in-depth, but just like if you want to see those facts, figures, and stats on on your screen, you can do it that way. Um, uh, you can, Like Sammy said, on the website, you can also subscribe to us. We have links to the most popular uh, podcast services. But you can find us on iTunes, Google Play Music, Apple Music, uh, Spotify, pretty much everywhere you look, you're going to find the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. And if you do subscribe – to us on those services just hit us up with some uh, a review or you know even if it's just a star rating doesn't have to be anything written out it's a big help and it gets us in front of more listeners absolutely um and we're also pretty active on social media so if you follow us on facebook you can uh, get updated every time we publish uh, a podcast so ben what are we talking about next week Next week, I'm going to be talking about the time I've spent with the Cadillac XT5, which is an SUV I haven't driven in quite a while, mm-hmm. but am, was very much surprised by when I got back behind the wheel, especially compared to the XT4 that I drove a couple of weeks ago and that we discussed as being very disappointing. So I'm eager to talk about that, and we're also going to talk about Lincoln versus Cadillac a little bit and kind of see where these two companies are diverging in their strategies and uh, where the tables might be turning in favor of one or the other. Uh, and I will be – I don't know what I'll be talking about next week because I'm going to be driving a Toyota Supra again. Again? Wait, 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 wait. Does anyone yes. else get to drive the Supra or is it just you, Sam? I don't know. Maybe. Are you the only journalist in North America? <laughs> this is like the third or the fourth time in <laughs> this alone. year, I think. Leave me alone, Ben. Leave me – it's all right. Um, the problem is, for whatever reason, I've been uh, asked to sign an embargo to not talk about the driving the, the driving style of this product um, again. I don't know. I don't understand because driven. I've already driven it does and written you, about it. Does that mean you can talk about past impressions but just not <laughs> yes. the new impressions? Because that's that's a slippery slope. That is a slippery slope. So if you have any questions about the new Supra, at least you'll have a whole week to um, think about them and send them my way. And I'll answer them on probably the following podcast of next week's. But um, I'll probably I'll probably get in deep on that uh, Lincoln versus Cadillac conversation. 
because uh, I'll be checking out a Nautilus um, at the at the office um, over the weekend. So that'll exciting be- times, exciting times. Nautilus, Nautilus versus XT5. <laughs> so thanks for everybody for listening. And Ben, thank you for uh, taking the time out of your busy schedule to chat with me at the, for another week uh, on our podcast. You're, you're very welcome. And talk to everyone next week. Bye.